On today's episode of Titus and Tate, we are once again living in a world where the number one team in the country, Tate, is the Purdue Boilermakers. Oh my no. God! But are they the How? best? But are they the best team? Is the question that people are asking. Uh, the question Purdue fans are asking is why is it every time we get ranked number one, mm-hmm. the whole country wants to say that can't be right? Who's actually number one? Right. It happened with UConn. When Purdue was last number one, everyone said UConn is better than Purdue. UConn has taken a nosedive on their season. So now Purdue's number one again, and we're saying, are we sure it's not Alabama? Yeah, <laughs> Purdue fans are saying, throw out all the numbers, look at the win and loss, wins and losses, and then they're yeah. also like, look at these numbers that say we but are the best But also don't look at Charleston's record, because right. if we're just looking at wins and losses, Charleston should be number one. Right. So look Only at, lost look at, the number one team in the country. Look at the wins and losses to a point, but mm-hmm. then also look at, but then start also look factoring away. some other away. stuff. But right. don't factor in too much stuff because then you might start talking yourself into Alabama. So factor in the right stuff and make sure we're number one. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, Purdue's number one. So congratulations. Hang the uh, hang another banner this year. That's two banners they've, they've put up this year. And, uh, and I'm fired Arena, up so. for them. Yeah. And uh, I have nothing but nice things to say about Purdue, for the record. Also, Houston and Kansas both losing at home. That's what set up Purdue uh, becoming the first, uh, uh, or becoming the new number one. First time the, the top two teams lose at home, Tate, in back-to-back days. So there's your uh, your college basketball. I think that's Big Ten stat of the week. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that is, I don't know who's looking up these stats, but I apologize to them. That is not a fun job. Uh, Arizona protects their home court against UCLA. Not a beautiful game. Uh, oh. I would not call this a... Uh, In the words of Manti Teow, far <laughs> from it. Far from it. Uh, speaking of West Coast uh, basketball, part of your Pac-12 update is uh, LMU. Since we last mm. talked, talk the LMU Lions, a program that are, are near and dear to our hearts. It's closest Division One school to my house. Right. Um, you're you're a you're a booster, I think, technically. Mm-hmm. I, that's how we got to the Final Four. Yeah. Shout out to LMU, yeah. the Lions. Big win over Gonzaga. Might talk about that a little bit. And of course, Tate. Mike Bray mm, announces his retirement. We have not done a show. Uh, he, he, I think he announced like right after we got done recording. So um, we have to touch on that because that is uh, that is a man who is a legend around these parts, and uh, we we certainly have to spend some time talking about that. So uh, who would have thought that a Notre Dame coach would be so beloved by everyone in basketball? It's crazy. That says something about it Mike says, Bray. It's it says a lot. Uh, oh, I have a confession too. So uh, that's a little tease. I have a confession that I'm ready to mm. uh, share with. <laughs> our listeners it's i need to get it off my chest and i i think today's the day i'm going to do it so is it uh, about championship dna <laughs> I, I did save ohio state basketball <laughs> glad you brought that up maybe we'll talk about that uh absolutely loaded show all that coming up at first what do you do he takes the All right, let's start with uh, Mike Bray, right? Right. So you, you, I think uh, this is the biggest story in college. I think basketball. so. I think mm-hmm. so. And we got we got our resident Notre Dame alum Tyler, who fills in for Jim from time to time. Jim is here today. Jim's just sitting over there in the other side of the room without a microphone in front of him, and we, we <laughs> giving kicked, us the middle finger. Yeah, we yeah, kicked perfect. him out of his chair and put Tyler in because <laughs> Tyler. Uh, uh, Tyler, Tyler's made some appearances on the show. He's a Notre right. Dame guy, so we're gonna have him join the discussion. He's our Notre Dame correspondent. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Um. Mike Bray announces he's going to retire at the end, at the end of the year. Uh, my read on it, Tate, when I first saw that was that this is this is not th- this felt more like a fire like a forced firing. That then Mike Bray said, "You know what? That's not the worst thing in the world." You know right. what I mean? Like I I don't think this is I don't think Mike Bray woke up in one morning and said, "I think I'm ready to retire." I think Jack Swarbrick went to him and said, "Mike, are we sure? Like mm. I, like this season is this is not it, Mike." This is like he's he's doing to Mike Bray what Syracuse fans have been trying to do to Jim Beheim for years and years and years. And he said, uh, we kind of suck now, Mike. 
um, is are, are are we sure your heart's even in this? Yada yada yada. And then Mike Bray was like, "Great point, Jack. I don't think it is. I think I'm ready." Right. Like, that, that's kind of how I feel like it went. It went down. Twenty three years, and uh, you know, in his most recent press conference after the Florida State game, Mike Bray goes in. He says, "Our our leaders on this team, they're accountable for themselves. They take ownership of themselves." But I've done a horrible job. It's mm -hmm. my fault. It mm -hmm. was the the greatest fall guy speech I've heard in a while. But as I was hearing it, I said, that's a man that has come to terms with the fact that it's been 23 great years. What a ride. What a great ride with the Irish. But get me out of here. This is an Irish exit. I want to leave on top. And then I, I want to maybe move on and find something else. Because I think Mike Bray, I don't know if he's done yet, but I think... The, the tenure at Notre Dame, this is the perfect time to let it go. And don't get fired. You know what I mean? Go out on top. You're the winningest coach in Notre Dame <laughs> and by, history. And by out on top, we mean above, above right. only Louisville. One, one win in the ACC. <laughs> one win in the ACC. We made almost last. But also ACC, Virginia but... Tech only has one win in the ACC. That's true. And they're ahead of Clemson in the net. So make that make sense. <laughs> make that make sense. I don't uh, blame Mike Bray, and I feel like it's the right time. Tyler, your thoughts. Uh, the moment you see the news that Mike Bray's retiring, what was your initial thought? Like, good, bad? Different. <laughs> well, I wasn't too surprised based yeah. on how the season's been going so far, but it's sad. I mean, I'm 26. He's been the coach for 23 years. So all memories wow. I have of Notre Dame basketball, he's been the head guy leading the way. And there's been some really, really fun times during that stretch. Like I've said before, you guys always say I'm not a, or I'm a Mike Bray hater. It's far from the truth. <laughs> far from it. Far from it. I was a student during both Elite Eight runs and uh, it was awesome, man. And watching him on the sidelines, like, his uh, energy is infectious, and it's been awesome to run. It's been an awesome run, but it's it's probably time, especially after how this season has gone so far. Yeah, it's been a. It's. I mean, I don't think there were exactly sky high expectations for Notre Dame this season, but still, in spite of that, nine and I, I think of the sign, the meme, one in seven the, in ACC play. Our ex expectations were low, but, <laughs> but my god, uh, but my god, uh, <laughs> how did we get here? Um. Yeah, I uh, Mike Bray, as you said at the top, Tate, is for him to be the head coach of Notre Dame um, and for him to have such strong ties to Duke and still be one of the most likable. Like, it, I can't think of two institutions in college sports that are just like hate factories, mm. like like Notre Dame and Duke, right? right. Am I, am I, I mean, is that not the right way to describe? And this man has... If you went on Twitter and you saw someone's bio and they were like, Notre, Notre Dame, Dame football, football, Duke, Duke basketball, basketball, you're like, yeah. this might be the worst person in America. <laughs> and it turns out it's Mike it's Bray. it's Dick Vitale. <laughs> Potential that coaching man, candidate. That man Dick is Dick Vitale. Vitale. Yeah. <laughs> um, Dickie V back. So for, for him to to have his professional... like Because, you know, if, if you really follow college basketball, you know that he was a coach at Delaware. I think most people know him as like, the guy that that because because he because they know him as the Notre Dame coach obviously but then you think about like where did he come before that I feel like he he does more or maybe it just gets more publicized that he'll do more stuff where he talks about Coach K or like his time at Duke or right. you know like remind people he was you know on the bench for some of those teams um, to where like those are the associations are Duke and Notre Dame and for that to be like the two brands that this man has worn for for thirty years of his life and still be one of the top five most likable guys in the sport is mm -hmm. insane. And it just speaks to how awesome he is. It makes you wonder, like, if he would have coached at Delaware his whole career, how likable he would have been. I mean, <laughs> he got he got the fighting hens to a couple NCAA tournaments, you know. He's a good coach. He came from I, DeMatha, right, with Morgan Wooten. And if you're in that tree of coaches and players, you're coming from a great spot. And, I mean, let's be honest. The reason why he went to Duke and the reason why he took that job is because Coach K was like, I want the DeMatha recruits. Yeah. So he, he basically used Mike Bray. And then Mike Bray is such a good guy. 
He's like, I still will give credit to Coach. I grew up uh, in Indiana as a non-Catholic, which is to say mm. I hated Notre Dame. It's it's split down the line. If you're a Catholic kid in Indiana, you love Notre Dame. If right. you're not, you're like, I hate, you're either I or you're Purdue, pretty much. Mm. Um, and I, I, I hated everything about Notre Dame. I hated the, the elitism that Notre Dame people had. I hated uh, that they were stuck in the past celebrating the 80s, whereas... Uh, I, I was more of an Indiana Hoosiers fan, Tate, and the Hoosiers definitely did not do that, whereas Notre Dame was like, we won all these titles in the 80s. I was like, that's disgusting. Who cares? But also, look at our banners. Go Hoosiers, look at those banners. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I really did. Like, I, I, I think I hated Notre Dame bef before I ever even knew what, like, college sports hatred was. Um, and then Mike Bray's hired as the head basketball coach at Notre Dame, uh, and a guy by the name of Chris Thomas who was Mr. Basketball in the state of Indiana uh, in 2001, played at Pike High School in Indianapolis, uh, he commits to Notre Dame in 2001. And this is right on the heels of Bob Knight getting fired. And that's not to say that like every single kid that was Mr. Basketball in Indiana was going to play for the Hoosiers, but that's how my brain took it. It was like, if you're the, the guys who, like my understanding, and it was obviously like just brainwashing by my father, but like my understanding was all the best guys, if you're Mr. Basketball in Indiana and you are of a certain level, you go play for Bob Knight. Um, and the guys who didn't, I always thought just like weren't good enough. I was like, yeah, they won Mr. Basketball. Or there like, was something. There was always something. Yeah. Some reason why. Yeah, yeah. Or like there's some. Yeah, there's some. Yeah. Why or, is John Wall not playing in right, North Carolina? Right. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. It's too close. <laughs> yeah. The reason he did. The reason the Mr. Basketballs didn't want to go to Indiana is because they want to stay close yeah, to home. Right. But that's too close. Um, so anyway, Chris Thomas in 2001. I remember watching Chris Thomas because I was I was 14 when Chris Thomas graduated uh, high school, and I was super into Indian high school basketball, and he was like. He was a, an absolute legend in, in Indianapolis. And I remember, um, yeah, like Jason Gardner is a good example. Jason Gardner's from Indy. He, he commits to Arizona. Same sort of thinking, like, what the hell's wrong with this guy? Like, what's going on? But I started watching Arizona basketball because of Jason Gardner. And I was like, I'm going to follow these Indiana guys wherever they go. He goes to Arizona, start watching him. Chris Thomas was the confusing one, though, because Jason Gardner was coming on the heels of Arizona winning the 97 title. Right. And Lute Olsen's got like a thing going out there. And I was like, I kind of get it. Like Knight's on the tail end of his career. And Jason Gardner wanted to take a big swing and go to Arizona. That makes sense to me. When Chris Thomas committed to Mike Bray in 2001, I remember being just so confused as to how how and why <laughs> this could happen. Like, what the hell was this man thinking? Um I, I, I was absolutely baffled, but what I did do after that, Tate, is I started watching a lot of Notre Dame basketball, and that was my long-winded way of saying that was my introduction point to Mike Bray. That was also my introduction point to not hating Notre Dame as a brand because I started watching Chris Thomas, and they never were – I'm trying to remember. I think they're like the first – they had like one good team in his four years, if I remember right. Um, Bray's first year was Troy Murphy's last year, uh, but then Chris Thomas came after that. But I remembered uh, – like they, 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 they had like one good year, but oh my God, they were so fun. And like Chris right. Thomas was so fun. And I was like, this is, this is actually, I can't hate this team. And then it just kind of snowballed from there. And Luke Heron, Goaty was my age. He went to Luke Zeller was Mr. Basketball. He ended up going to a uh, uh, Notre Dame. Then Luke Heron, Goaty committed. They had some fun teams. Anyway, Notre Dame, like very quickly, everything I thought I knew about like what Notre Dame represents as an institution, Mike Bray stepped in and said, we probably still represent those things, but we're going to have fun doing it. You know, like we're not, we don't take ourselves super seriously. And uh, I don't know. It's, it's a. It's as I look back on it, that's a, that's a huge upset to me because I thought as a child I was just going to hate Notre Dame my whole life. But Mike Bray made me not hate them. Yeah, Mike Bray is the definition of you give him lemons, he made lemonade, yeah. and uh, he comes on the heels of Matt Darty, who was national coach of the year, but also as we know a very that's aggressive, right. I about that. 
guy. You know what I mean? Not a very likable, affable dude at any level, you know, for the most part. So he comes in for that. You lose a national coach the year. He goes to North Carolina. People are like, I'm not sure about this guy. We'll see. And then he becomes beloved and he wins. It, it felt like the entire time, even when they were in the Big East, like Notre Dame's going to win 20 games. Yeah. You know, that that kind of was the standard, and he's going to be likable. He's going to have a, a guy like Luke Herring-Gody when it was – I remember the Maui Invitational. It was Herring-Gody versus Hansbro, and it was this whole showdown, and Notre Dame was a lot of fun. And got, and then even when Ben Hansborough went to Notre Dame, you know, because yeah. I, I, I had watched Tyler. I was obviously a fan of Tyler. Then I, his brother's at Notre Dame. I'm like, okay, now I'm weirdly pulling for a Duke guy, you know, at Notre Dame. What is happening? Mm-hmm. Like Mike Bray had so many of those check yourself moments. Mm-hmm. He was the Big East coach of the year three times, I believe. He comes to the ACC, new conference. You're saying, get this guy out of here. He's an outsider. All of a sudden, he's the most likable ACC coach out of nowhere. It's like every single time he got dealt a bad hand, Mike Bray delivered a good situation or, or a good outcome. And then right now, obviously, this, this class that's been there for six years, it feels like 10 years, it hasn't worked out, right? Every single year, you're like, well, maybe this is the year that it clicks. And that's why I feel a little bit bad for him because I felt like he was waiting for that last good ride, that last good run, and then it would be over. Yeah. And he never is, he's not going to get that. Yeah. Maybe he does in the ACC tournament. Yeah. But in general, that's the only thing I don't like about the Mike Bray finale because every other time it seemed to work out. Even with Under Armour, you're like, Under Armour is a bad draw, right? You don't yeah. want to be sponsored by Under Armour in a Nike Adidas arms race. But Mike Bray said, I love Under Armour. In fact, I'll go down to Baltimore all the time. They, Notre Dame, I, I'm looking at the schedule. Notre Dame plays Clemson the last game of the year, the mm-hmm. regular season, um, at Clemson. What if what if that's the the Mike Bray gets carried off the court on like Clemson? Clemson goes into that game tied for the ACC um regular on the regular season standings. If they right. win, they clinch a, a share of the title. And uh it's it, the, the place is buzzing and Notre Dame pulls off the upset to to finish what's their their third win in, in the ACC say. And they just throw Mike Bray on their shoulders and, and dump Gatorade on him and celebrate <laughs> in Clemson. Like they, uh, I don't know, makes sense to me. He that's, deserves that's, that's as close as you're going to get to like a, a walk off, right? You know, Mike Bray moment that we want. It's kind of like Albert Pujols, you know, I just yeah, wanted, yeah, I wanted right. to get back in the batter's box one more time and maybe he hits a home run, right? That's yeah. all we need. And he's top seven in wins in current coaches that are active. You know, when, when you look at the list, and, and I was saying this to you before we even started recording. In college basketball, as we're losing these legends and these legendary coaches who have the autonomy to be around for 23 years, we don't live in that kind of world anymore. I'm not sure that Notre Dame will ever have a coach be there for 23 seasons with how volatile things are and how quickly things can, you know, flip on its head for these coaches. So to lose Mike Bray, who's only behind the Bill Selfs, Randy Bennett's, Mark Few, Tom Izzo, Jim Beheim, you're losing a legend in the coaching ranks too. And that's always sad because he's such a good character. Who, uh, Tyler, how do you think it went down? Do you think my assessment is correct? Do you think Mike Bray asked for this? Who, who do you think start? Who do you think said the words retirement first? Mm. Like the um, Notre Dame side, the administration side, one of the players, one of the assistant coaches, or do you think it was Bray himself? It's like I'm too old for this shit. I think it was a mutual breakup. Yeah. Um, I would say that whoever probably said first it was probably Jack Swarbrick. He was probably like. All right, what's next here? Yeah. <laughs> well, how do we rebound from this pretty horrific season? Because I think that's the most surprising part about this team is they're so bad, but they're so experienced. And it goes against everything that Mike Bray has done his career because usually like he's great at player development. They get old, like thinking Tib Abermidas was a great story like that. Got a lot better as his time went on. That just did not happen yeah. this year to say the least. 
So now you look at the uh, construction of the roster looking forward, and it's not great, which then makes the job a little bit less appealing to future coaches. But I think there was probably a point there where they realized they had to sever ties or, or move in a different direction going forward. Yeah, Swarbrick mm. was like, Mike, we're not we're not moving on. We, I just want to know what your plan is to fix this because it's going to be a lot of hard work to get it back. And Mike was like, "Is, is hard work? Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know hard work." It's like you're going to do the hard work, right? Mike? Like, I'm not, yeah, great coach, not great recruiter, and it's kind of important in the whole coaching yeah. thing now. He had the Magic Johnson. I'm not going to be here. Do we think he's done? He's done, right? TV? I think he'd be great like, on what TV. Is he, what does he do be, next? Uh, he'd be awesome on TV. I think he's mm. awesome on TV. I think if he wants to just like go open like a jet ski rental place on a beach somewhere, right. that that makes sense to me too. Um, he's got a place in Delaware. I could see TV him beach. just... Do, do you think he's going to stay in, in South Bend? Do you think he's going to like be the Roy Williams of Notre Dame basketball? And, and He said he wanted to be involved in some capacity next season. I don't really know what that means or what that entails, but I yeah. think he wants to be around the program. Now, if I were him, I'd want to get the hell out of South Bend. That's 23 years is a long time. I could barely stomach four. <laughs> so hope he gets some time away, get some time. Well, no wonder sun. Notre Dame has a problem with recruiting. You got a proud alum right here <laughs> right. sitting down. He's like, He's like, I, can I fucking hated my four years. Dude, <laughs> like this morning, there's a player on the football team. His mom is posting tweets like, uh, if you've seen my son's car, it was stolen last night. It's like, oh my god, oh, South no. Bend just continues to embarrass itself. But I, <laughs> I don't think it's uh, it's anything harsh to say. If you've been there, you know what I'm talking about. I, I don't think it's much of a secret at this point. But the uh, the gold dome's cool, you know, and the right. touchdown dome Jesus. is cool. Right, the history's the amazing. <laughs> Look at the banners. Um, so where does Notre Dame go for here? Go from here. Who do who? I, uh, I think there's an obvious candidate. Brad Steven. Uh, we call him. Make sure he says no. There's He's a mid-major Indiana. coach, Catholic guy, said he wants to stay at a private school. It's Rick Pitino. You got to start here. <laughs> Tyler gets the show. This is why Tyler. <laughs> but I got another one for you, too. Uh, this I think Notre Dame would be doing a little bit of a favor for this guy. Stock is low on him. His fan base hates him. Um, people going to his games, begging him to leave. Again, Notre it. Dame would be sort of extending an olive branch. Don't say it. John Calpari. Oh. 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 I thought you were going to say Chris Holtman because I saw CBS put out. I their, did see that too. Their I list didn't... of candidates, number one on the list was Chris Holtman. Number one, Tate. It wasn't like a maybe you know throw his name on here to 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 get some clicks and because if you're going to do that, if if number one is is bold because I think I think like the play I would have done is put hold at like five or six. You can put his picture in the headline. I don't know, but it felt it felt a little. I think that's, little, uh, I would call that profiling. And I yeah. say that because it does feel with the Notre Dame job, there's this sort of unspoken conversation about the coach needs to understand being at a football school, you know what I mean? Or be yeah. able to play that game. Yeah. And Chris Holtman, they look at what Ohio State's doing. They're like, pretty good on the football you know, side. I'm pretty sure the thing Holt probably hates most about the job is that it's a football school. <laughs> right. I mean, I haven't, I haven't talked to him about this specifically, but my read on the situation is like, I would, if I was him, I would probably hate that all these football fans pop up in January, Google our record, and then yell at me for not being better when they have right. no idea what the hell our team is or right. how it was constructed. Well, or... I'll give them the baseball <laughs> jersey fans. You know what I mean? I think, yeah, they, yeah. I think they mean well. I think it's the football was, to go after. Well, how would you compare the expectations for Ohio State basketball to Notre Dame? Because I feel like Notre Dame basketball fans have a very realistic outlook on it, and I think that's why I think, I think, I think Notre Dame has better... Fan, like but not better i better um better expectate better yeah. like a better like you you guys you guys can handle like a down season better right than Ohio like State a realistic understanding like a real, of yeah. the program's limitations and all yeah, that because yeah. i think like just as a casual Notre Dame basketball fan i would say like every year you should be competitive for the tournament like even yeah. in a down year you should be 
around, like in the mix a little bit, try to get one big upset at home every year, which was a staple of the Bray program. Yeah. Like every year they knock off a top five team. And then, you know, once every four years or so, like sweet 16 run. I mean, those elite eight runs were so fun. And mm. part of, like the first one, I don't want to say it was like the expectation, but that was a really, really good Notre Dame team with Jerry and Grant. Wait, what year was that? 2015? 14. It was, yeah, 24. 14, 2015. Yeah, 15 and 16. Yeah, and then the following year. 15 when you had the shot in the corner to beat Kentucky, right? The Elite Eight. Yeah, it was Grant. Grant. Yeah, he shot it. August, young Bonzi Colson. He shot it like too hard, but it was like online, and he just airballed it long, I think, if I remember right, or short or something like that. And they won the ACC tournament that year. Yeah. Right. And they beat That team was awesome. And that's another thing about Bray and the Duke connection. There's no one who loved beating Duke more than Mike Bray. And even when Notre Dame was moving over to the ACC, I think there was a a little bit of animosity between the two because I think uh, Coach K didn't love the idea of Notre Dame having like this open marriage with the ACC and um, I guess push back on it a little bit. Bragg caught one of that was pretty pissed. Like, I I don't know the exact specifics there, but then, you know, they knock him out in uh, the ACC tournament. That was awesome. In my freshman year, I went to the game uh, when they had Julio Okafor, Notre Dame won on a Steve Asteria corner three late. Oh, and that yeah. was like yeah. one of the most fun times I've had as a student there. That was so your a lot of great year? memories. Yeah. Oh, so you were there for yeah, you were Oh, you, I was there yeah. for like the peak of was ba- basketball. basketball was better than football. Yeah. I mean like, twenty sixteen football went basketball four and eight. school. It was abysmal. Yeah. You were a basketball school. That's what I've there. been saying when yeah. you guys are like, you hate Mike. Do you like, like Mike? It's Brand. the opposite. <laughs> right. It, it, I'm glad we got um, to this point. Is there a feeling that you have, Tyler? Remember when the students did boo Mike Bray? Do you do you look back on that and you blame them? You're like, you did this. You guys brought this moment. Yeah. In time. Are you, do you have shame as an alum? Are you like, I can't believe the kids these days ran this man out of town? Are they you gonna be have one to of those wear guys? like something that says like we I cheer Are, to fire Mike Bray? I think you should hate the next coach. Just like one of those deals where like the next coach takes over just punch him in the face toward, like however your version of that is you know like when a new prisoner comes in you just have to like set the tone like let him know he's not your real dad you know whoever the next coach is um never i don't know support if i want him. to do that to right. Right. <laughs> never support him say <laughs> mike scared. bray was i can't believe we ran mike bray out of town i have a name for you um it probably is not popping up on on maybe it is i don't know but this this one jumped out to me as making the most sense and it, you're not going to get super excited about it but i promise if you do your homework, Tyler, you'll be excited about it. Mike or Shrewsbury, Penn State. Yeah, mm. that's he's, he's that's the guy. popular candidate. He's, that is the guy. I thought he would be number one uh, that's on the those guy. type of lists. No, yeah. he is. That, is all, that is far and away the number one candidate to me. The funniest thing, though, is so Shrewsbury's on a lot of candidate lists, and you've seen a lot of articles like top candidates to replace Mike Bray at Notre Dame. I laughed out loud. I saw one, and I know what they were doing. I don't want to call that guy out, but it was uh, <laughs> he made Monty Williams the thumbnail. Oh, oh my if, God. Like, he was a top option. And I cracked up because I was thinking, like, yes, I understand all the Notre Dame connections, all that, but there is just no way he's going <laughs> oh my from God. the I, Phoenix honestly, Suns though, to Notre Dame. But the make fact the call. that he was, make the, the, call, feature, make the, call. He was the yeah. featured coach in that article, like, I, I was laughing out loud. That was so funny. You have my promise on this, Tyler. I, I, uh, I will never mock. Um, I, I, if 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 you if you text me and you're like I I think we have a shot of Brad Stevens I will entertain it I, or Rick Pitino or Billy Donovan you, Jay Wright you name it I, I will support it I like Jay Wright I will I will do whatever I can with the memes, um you know I I've I've made the Patino meme that's mm. for Louisville you can steal that you can use that that's that's a free that's open domain anyone can use that right um. But yeah, man, I, uh, I I think it's fun. Like this is this is part of the the problem with coaching carousels this day day and age is that like they just hire within and hire like boring ass guys, and we 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 miss the days of 
Yeah, throw Monty Williams' hat in the ring, dude. Why not? Right. It's fun to talk about. Make him say I, no. It's fun. Make in him my, say no. In my head, I'm just thinking about who's calling, who's calling Notre Dame, though. Like, who's interested in Notre well, Dame? Who's making the NBA phone guy, call to them? Maybe Chris Quinn. Chris Quinn. I've seen that name. Chris floated. Quinn. Chris Quinn is like the, uh, the um, you know, if you're following the trend of hiring the former player type deal, the Jawan Howard, Penny Hardaway, mm-hmm. Patrick Ewing type situation. That would be Chris Quinn, right? He's the Monty yeah. Williams. If but if he says no, then yeah, Chris <laughs> yeah. Quinn. But would Quinn want to leave the Heat? Like he's got a good thing going there. And then yeah. another NBA guy, Sean Sweeney. That's he's my an guy. Assistant on the Mavs. That's my guy. Um, he's been thrown okay. out there a bit. Yeah, but I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see if they want to go in the. It's Shrewsbury. Hey, it's Michael Shrewsbury with that. because a few reasons. Number one, Shrewsbury is an Indiana guy. He's from Indianapolis. Uh, if I remember right, he coached in South Bend, like IU South Bend. USB. Yeah. yeah, he was coaching there for a while. Um. He went to high school at Cathedral, which is what I think was literally Indianapolis Cathedral? Indianapolis Cathedral is so, so much Notre Dame that I think they were literally sued by Notre Dame because they stole they're, they're the Cathedral <laughs> Fighting Irish. Yeah. Their football team wears wears gold helmets. Their logo is like the punching Irishman. It's right. Notre Dame's Irish logo. Um, that's where he went to high school. That's this man is fighting Irish through and through. And then the most important thing is that Notre Dame basketball, win, lose, or draw. Guess you can't draw really in basketball, but win or lose. Yes, um, you can. When you go to overtime, it's that's a draw. True. Remember that's we true. decided. That's true. Um, the Mike Bray era, I will remember as just being super fun. And like you, you knew that you could watch Notre Dame play. And if you're a neutral fan, it would be a fun game for the most part, like especially when they were good. And I challenged someone out there to find like a more fun team that's like not actually national title or final four caliber good than Penn State is under Michael Shrewsbury this year. They are so fun. Like, they, all they do is just jack threes and they make all of them. And then they play no defense. And it's incredible. That that will like that if, you, if you like love Mike Bray basketball. basketball. <laughs> oh my God. If you love Mike Bray basketball, do your home uh, watch Penn State for me, Tyler. Just watch right. like the next like two I'll or three pull, Penn I'll bring State back games. Watch Andrew report. Funk and Seth Lundy and Jalen Pickett. And they just it, they're so fun. It's annoying as hell if you're a Big Ten team playing them because like Indiana played at Penn State uh not too long ago, and Penn State was hitting everything. And all the IU fans are like, we suck. And I was watching, like, yeah, I mean, I'm I wouldn't be like high on Indiana if I watched this game, but at the same time, like this is what Penn State will do to you. If they're like hot, they'll just they'll make you they'll make every fan base like walk away thinking we suck. But really it's just like, I don't know, man, they shot like 53s and made 25 of them. You guys had Bray on the podcast before, right? We did a long time ago. Yeah. Yeah. During the pandemic. Do you have a favorite Bray moment? I think the like when you think of Bray, it's definitely the Mount Invitational, right? Like that's where your mind goes. Yeah. Tate, would you say that? Yeah, I would say that. I think for me, it's when he wore shorts uh, and coached during the pandemic. That was the moment. It was you know in Chapel Hill. I couldn't believe what I was seeing, but the 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 bravado, the brashness, and just the fact that Mike Bray always seemed like he had an agenda against the establishment a little bit. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like he was punk rock coach at some my, level. Yeah. So so, so my probably my, mine. What I'll remember Mike Bray is like. In, uh, embracing small ball lineups and spreading the floor and um like i think jay wright probably gets credit for inventing like four guard lineups and and with the 06 was it the 016 05 team the jay wright yeah 05 team when jay wright was playing four guard um but it felt like jay wright arrived at that via uh like scientific like experimentation and like i'm smarter than everybody and i crunched the numbers and ran the and this is what our program and it felt like mike bray was just like fuck it let's throw four guards you know? right like he's it, like we're gonna just, play the best five we're man. gonna play bonzi colson at center he's six seven <laughs> fuck it let's ride right. like that felt like his Pat attitude at the and floor. i think like mm. that's just my interpretation of it and they probably both you know had the same similar lines of thinking of how they got there but it, it 
what, what basically what I'm saying is I know Jay Wright invented small ball in college basketball, but I'm going to give credit to Mike Bray because that's just what I want to do. This mm. is how I feel like it, it was more fun, like watching Mike Bray's teams because Jay Wright felt like more scientific and, you know, Colin Gillespie backing his ass down. Like, all he's like, all right, we get it. You're smarter than everybody. Mike Bray was like, we're going to go out there. We're going to just run around and shoot three. Matt Farrell, put the ball in your hands. Go make me some plays. Right. Let's play some basketball, boys. Break. Some would <laughs> say was... there'd be no Steph Curry without Mike Bray. Without mm. Matt Farrell. Without Ben Hansborough. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. Just Kyle keep... McElarney going yeah. way back. Let's just keep throwing out, you know, Mike Bray did Who's this, your... Mike Bray did that. Top, uh, we'll say three, and then we, then we can move on because we got other stuff to talk about. But uh, top three Bray era Notre Dame players. I loved Kyle McElarney. <laughs> really? When he was pulling up from way out, and it was before that was normal, he would shoot from just anywhere on the court. He was great. Bonzi, obviously, and Pat Connaughton. Yeah, uh, Pat Connaughton. Pat Connaughton's yeah. dunk against Kentucky. Like that whole I still game, like Pat Connaughton. A yeah. I, I mean, I thought he was really good. I can't believe the career he's had in the NBA, but that dunk he had against Kentucky, like that whole game, I was just trying to not get my hopes up because I'm like, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. And then he had that huge dunk down the lane. I'm like, oh my God, we're going to win. And then we didn't. But for a brief moment there, that was awesome. And, I felt uh, the same way. Yeah, yeah, I was yeah it was uh, it was great, a great run, and those are some really fun times. One last thing I have to point out: whoever Notre Dame hires will tip the cap. Apparently, Notre Dame uh, is taking the meetings with the Big Ten, taking the meetings with the SEC. They're trying to figure out where they're going to go full time. Yeah. So who they hire, I think, says a lot about where they're going to go. So if they take a Shrewsbury or a Fran McCaffrey or a John Beeline. They're going to be a Big Ten team. John Beeline. John Beeline's the one that I have. Uh, that's who I would call. Interesting. With the Pistons now, has gotten that NBA kind of background. Knows that's got how some, it works. That's some Mike Bray basketball too. He's right. A, John a, Beeline uh, would be a force in Notre Dame. Like if John Beeline goes to Notre Dame as an ACC guy, you have my attention. Um, but again, I think that they tip their hand as to where they're going to lean, who they bring in. If they bring in like a Chris Quinn or like a Sean Sweeney, I'm thinking to myself, SEC. Because that means point. that they're bringing in NBA guys point. and NBA talent. Is Chris Quinn in the uh, Juwan Howard coaching tree coming from the Heat? Are you worried about Chris Quinn? <laughs> He's in the Bob McAdoo coaching tree. Is he going to strike a man? Are you worried about this? <laughs> um, that's a good point. I think I think Notre Dame to the Big Ten is you hire Michael Shrewsbury, Gene Smith, the new Big Ten commissioner, who's a Notre Dame alum, mm. and uh, it's a done deal. There you go. Notre Dame in the Big Ten. Yeah. With Michael Shrewsbury. And, and then, I saw Gene Smith was talking to Fran McCaffrey on, on Saturday, and then there were some Ohio State people being like, uh -oh. oh, 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 no, <laughs> I don't want this. Stop this. <laughs> yeah, all the Ohio State people, they're like, fire Chris Holtman. Um, then, they, then they see Gene talking to Fran, they're like, never mind. Never mind. <laughs> Take that back. Uh, all right. Thanks, Tyler. Thanks, Tyler. Thanks for fun. the Notre Dame insight. Uh, should we take a break? And then, hey. let's, just say, let's just do a reset. Let's okay. take a break, and then we'll talk about... Um, uh, some of these games that are happening over the weekend. Bang. All right, uh, we're back. Let's talk a little bit about like more current, uh, more relevant stuff than Mike Bray, I guess, Tate. Uh, Kansas and Houston both lose back-to-back um, -back days. First time in history that top two lose at home in back-to-back -back days when it's cold outside, but the action was heating up inside. Um, which one, like... My, my my thoughts on it were Kansas gets absolutely smoked by TCU at home. <laughs> right. But weirdly, I'm not panicking about Kansas because Kansas, I've never, I, I've thought Kansas is is good, obviously. And I've thought at times like Kansas might have the best resume and, and is deserving of a one seed and yada, yada, yada. I've never felt like Kansas, like basically watching Kansas against TCU, I didn't walk away feeling like I've I've learned something about this team. They are... They they just play like a the, the 
I, I've said it all year. They're hilarious because their their style of play is such that they just like it almost feels like chaos at times. It almost feels like they're disorganized at times. But then at the same time, Bill Self is such a great coach that you're like, I I can't actually sit down and say that like he doesn't know what he's doing because he clearly does and it's working and Jalen Wilson's awesome and they have so much talent. But then other times, it, it feels like an NBA game. So basically, I walked away from the TCU game saying, um, this is who I thought Kansas was. Like they're, they're, they're going to have some stinkers along. I think it's going to happen again. I think the bottom's going to quote unquote fall out of Kansas again at some point this season. But it's still when March rolls around, I'm going to look at Kansas in a bracket and be like, yeah, they could beat the hell out of every single one of these teams. So I don't know. Do you disagree? Are you panicking about Kansas after they lose to Kansas State on the road and then follow that up by losing, what was it, 23 at home to yeah. TCU? Yeah, 83-60 to to lose to TCU. is their worst loss at home in, oh my God, how long? Two years. Two years. <laughs> right. And well, I re- they, they got smoked by Kentucky at home last year and right. still won the national That's championship. That's what I'm saying. So, and, and there's a certain yeah. level when you talk about Bill Self. Bill Self is, I think, on his own level as far as tiers of college coaches and the programs they have running and rolling right now. I mean, all the NCAA, FBI stuff, throw it to the side. As far as the results that are happening from the top all the way down to the talent that is on the court, Bill Self has got it figured out. So they did this last year to Kentucky, like you said. They did this to Texas when we saw Texas in the Asheville-Maui Invitational. And we thought they might be the best team in the country when they had Courtney Ramey and Kai Jones and Greg Brown and all this talent. So it made a lot of sense when Texas blew them out. Okay, add it all up, whatever. And the funniest part about that is that Jalen Wilson has played in all three of those games. He played in Kentucky last year. He played in the Texas game and he played in the TCU game. And I think in every single one of those situations, you could brush it off because they obviously yeah. bounced back. It was a make shots kind of day. It was a bill self. Okay, we we didn't show up today. I, I throw you in the pool, sink or swim. And he just let it be. He was like, okay, we're going to get blown out today. That's yeah. what it is. These guys are going to learn, learn from it. We're going to be better for it. And it is what it is. I mean, if you're panicking over this, then you haven't been paying attention to Kansas. To, to Kansas basketball. And I right. guess like that's the point I would say to if you're a fan of another team that has Final Four aspirations and uh, you know, people are people are hitting the panic button or saying Tennessee's a good example. Tennessee losing to Kentucky. Um, I don't know if it's panic button, but it was like, man, this leaves a terrible taste in my mouth. I know mm-hmm. it's one game, but like yikes, this is I don't know. I'm rethinking some things. And if you're a Tennessee fan, you're listening to me say that, and you're saying, "How come when we lose to Kentucky at home in a close game, that now you're now you're off of us? But when Kansas gets blown out at home, you're saying, I don't think it's that big of a deal. I'll tell you why. Kansas is the pretty much runs the exact same shit they ran last year with the, a similar roster and a similar right. approach to the game, and they won the national championship last year. So uh, I don't know. I'm sorry. I, I I saw it happen last year. I'm not going to panic. I probably Kansas could be down like 20 at halftime in the NCAA tournament, and I would say let's see where this thing goes. Let's mm. just wait and see. Let's mm. see what. And maybe they're down. You know, like I'm never going to give up on them until they're out. Um, which isn't to say that I actually do think that they are the best team in the country or or one of the two or three best teams in the country. Tate, but I. I, I I don't know. I I I I I acknowledge that the TCU game happened. If it keeps happening, if this like, you know, they enter the tournament with five or six different losses like this, it's a different story. But yeah, one one game where a good TCU team, by the way, TCU is hilarious too, because TCU has lost what, three of five? And the two teams they beat were Kansas and Kansas State. <laughs> right. Make it make sense. That's this entire season of college basketball. You you look at the results, you try to play it out, you try to see who's good, who's in, who's yeah. out. But it's just changing. I mean, even 
what, two weeks ago, Indiana's dead to rights. Mm. And now after this weekend, everyone's like, how is Indiana well, not a top 25 team? Right? That is that is what we're working under. And that is why the AP poll in general has been... It, Farcical. It, yeah, it's, it's been an <laughs> absolute joke. How does you know? Purdue... Uh, it feels like every time Purdue takes the court, a Big Ten team is taking them to the brink. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it comes down <laughs> literally to the every yeah, single every time. single time. Even the Maryland game was kind of a blowout, and then it wasn't. And then Maryland at the right. end technically has a shot at the buzzer to to tie the game. <laughs> and by technically, and you mean literally? Literally, I mean, technically, literally. I don't know. Choose your word. <laughs> they did. It happened. I saw it. I saw it. <laughs> um, Michigan State. Uh, has has Purdue on the ropes and Edie hits the game winner. Ohio State obviously uh, lawyer hits it. You know Nebraska takes it. This keeps happening over and over in Big Ten play with Purdue that they are escaping. Uh, Rutgers literally beats Purdue. Um, I also saw that happen. Um, and yet you wake up this morning and Purdue is the number one team in the country and zero other Big Ten teams are ranked. How does that make any sense? What makes- do you think if 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 Purdue is the best team in the country, are all these teams that are taking them to the brink? Shouldn't like one of them be in the top twenty five? Not according or to the if, AP. And if not, if that's not your train, if that's not how you think about it, then wouldn't you say like, wow, Purdue has a lot of close calls against teams that aren't even ranked? Shouldn't they be not number one? They're probably not number one. Yeah, but no, somehow both exist, and then we just accept it. And yeah, I, it, I think both I, things can be true. I think what's what's happening, especially with the Big Ten and maybe maybe the ACC too. You could you could uh, you'd certainly know better than I would because, um, I it, it's happening with the Big Twelve, but like at a different level. It's happening at the Big Twelve, but for good. And then the Big Ten gets like the bad part of this where um, with the Big Ten right now, everything is so results oriented that, uh, and as it should be, it's, you know, one team wins, one team loses. Ultimately, that's what you're trying to do is win these games. Nobody pays any attention to the process whatsoever of like who's playing. And this is what was driving me nuts as, as an Ohio State fan watching Ohio State lose all these close games, five games in a row, is that I'm screaming at the TV like we're not that bad. But then also, how if you're not that bad, why are you losing five games in a row? <laughs> right. But then like we're close, but then close doesn't get you anything. You got to win the damn games, yada, yada, yada. This keeps happening in the Big Ten where, like you said, a team like Indiana starts thinking maybe they're good, but then they lose to like a Penn State, and you're like, oh, we suck now. We, we're going to suck. But now Indiana's won a few games in a row, and now they think they're Three better. Three in a row, yep. Meanwhile, Michigan State was, was feeling pretty good about themselves. Michigan State loses at Indiana, who's unranked. And now Michigan State fans are like, we suck. How do we lose <laughs> to an unranked team? Basically, what I'm saying is every single game, and and I don't know, I, I've yet to be proven wrong about this, but every single basketball game, I have worked under the assumption one team's going to win, one team's going to lose, Tate. And what's happening with the Big Ten, it feels like, is that every single game, someone walks away having lost to an unranked team, and then that fan base says, we must suck because we just lost to an unranked team. And then that, that like, the, there's going to what I'm saying is Purdue might be the only ranked Big Ten because Indiana is going to lose to who does Indiana ha- even have next? They're going to lose to a team that's like not bad, but because they're unranked, they're not going to. And the exact opposite is happening with the Big Twelve. And I think that was the point I was trying to make the Fanta was like, I I I know the Big Twelve is the best league in the country. I'm not arguing otherwise. I'm not saying the Big Ten is should be the considered the best. Um, that's not the point of this at all. It's just once all these teams get ranked high. And then they start beating each other. Like nobody really falls because you're you're looking at like a TCU that that loses three out of five, but they beat Kansas and Kansas State. And for that reason, they're gonna stay ranked high. And it just keeps it's just like a cyclical thing that you get lost in this like, you know, the cyclical algorithm you've built for yourself for like if they keep playing top ten teams and keep beating top ten teams and they're clearly a top ten team. Right. And then when they lose to another top ten team, that means there's you know. 
then I, I'm looking at this like, this is kind of crazy. And is this telling us anything? And it's all very confusing. I think that's what college basketball has become. I think we have, like, we go into this conference play with, like, these set ideas of what all these conferences are. And I don't think they actually are. And I think that's happening with the ACC, too. I think the ACC is better than people think the ACC is. Right. But, um, imagine if you put Chicago State's analytics into the ACC f formula or whatever. Like, they're one of the worst 340 teams maybe worst team we've ever seen as far yeah. as the numbers say. And then you look at the conference ratings based on Kim Palm or one of these places. And they're like, look how disastrous the ACC is. And it's like, well, there's one team that's really pulling down the wagon here, you know, right. right, that, right. That, that's kind of where that's coming from. But the, the context is maybe taken out of the equation. And then also when you beat up on each other and no one's ranked, it just looks even worse. But when you have five teams in the top 12 of the AP, and you only have 10 teams in your conference. <laughs> yeah. That's pretty good. That's pretty know? good. So yeah. every time that you play, you kind of have a, a I, chance I to make an impact. I guess what I'm saying is I don't think the gap is that big, but because it's just the pole inertia, and it's just interesting how the narratives start to form, build on that. And I, right. know, I, that's why I weirdly, as a guy who likes Big Ten basketball or like thinks the Big Ten isn't um, – you know, I, 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 I fight against like the, the, the rest of the country's thoughts on the Big Ten. Um, I'm, I'm excited about this tournament because I think the Big Ten's in a good spot having – uh, a little chip on the shoulder, you know? Because like, right. I think there's a ton of great basketball being played in the Big Ten. It's just, yeah, the, the Indiana thing's hilarious because Indiana has that three-game losing streak. They lose to Iowa by two on the road. Um, this is when Iowa's coming off of losing to Eastern Illinois without Chris Murray. Uh, and I, right. don't, I don't know if Connor McCaffrey played, which might actually might actually help. But um, I, I, Indiana loses to Iowa. Chris Murray's back. It, and it's like the circumstances of that game was like some questionable call, whatever. It's, it's a game they should have won. But you lose by two to ultimately was like a, is not a bad Iowa team. Mm -hmm. um, then they follow that up. They lose at home to Northwestern by one. Again, they're down two starters. Uh, but at this point, Indiana fans are like, we suck. Meanwhile, if, if you like take a deep breath, you look at it, you say you lost the two on the road against a good Iowa team. This is one of the best Northwestern teams in the history of Northwestern basketball. You lose by one at home without two of your starters. And then you go to Penn State, and Penn State has just a barrage of threes and is hitting everything. And again, Penn State's not a bad team. Mm -hmm. And then Indiana fans walk away from that saying, we suck, we're not even going to make the tournament, this is a failure of a year. Look up a week and a half later, and they're like, oh my God, we're back, and we're going to beat Purdue in a couple weeks, and we're the best, you know? And that's how the big, that's how like every team has gone to the Big Ten. And I think that's, that's just what college basketball is right now, is just everyone is as good as everyone else. But we're just riding this inertia of like thoughts we had about teams. And everyone wants you know? what they think to be proven out. So everyone is trying. When you already had a pre -con preconceived notion about what it is, like the the coming into the year, the ACC sucks and North Carolina is overrated. You checked your box. Yeah. You know what I mean? You watch it. You say, I, my box has been checked. I move forward. My thoughts are there. Done. Whatever. And it doesn't really take into account the reality of the situation. I think the ACC last year was much maligned obviously but they had three teams in the elite eight so as much as it's the, the worst year in acc history i'm watching the tournament and i'm watching auburn play miami and i say miami looks like the better basketball team mm -hmm. i hate to say it they have the better guards they have the better defense they win the game and then then all the same people that are arguing all these things they say well it's a it's a tournament it's a single elimination all the factors that we had into this to take throw it out and it's like what do you mean throw it out you were you throw it in my face <laughs> throw it out what are you talking about um so that'll drive you crazy i think the most impressive stat when i look at the big 10 to me is purdue has not lost on the road they're six and zero on the road mm -hmm. so when i look at purdue that is the one thing that i have in the back of my mind 
where I'm like, Purdue's legit because they can win in tough environments, in close games, on the road. I like that for a title-type team. I like that for a Final Four-type team. And a lot of the times with these conferences, especially the ACC and the Big Ten, they're beating up on each other. You know, they win at home, lose on the road, right? It's one of those things where it's a lot of 500 basketball, but they're good teams. Yeah. Other, other than the the outliers, like there's a couple outliers that that are right there in your face, like a Minnesota, Minnesota, yeah, or, or Louisville, yeah. And then the one time that Minnesota does win a game, we have external factors that are, you know what I mean? There's all these you could nitpick it and and explain it out, but like you said, it's everyone's a lot closer than they I just, are. I, I guess that's my ultimate point because I'm not trying to argue that like the Big Ten deserves more ranked teams or the although it it, it kind of does break my brain that Purdue's ranked number one and then no other team in the Big Ten is ranked. Right, <laughs> right. Because like if Purdue is be if, if these are impressive wins that should put Purdue at number one, then shouldn't those I other mean, teams. Look, but look at the net um, rankings and yeah. that'll break your brain. Yeah. It, that'll it, literally it, break your brain. Um, well, all, all, yeah, I get my ultimate point is just that like this stuff is closer than the, the yeah, I guess like the rankings, it's something that I've, I've figured out, you know, a long time ago. I just have to keep reminding myself that they ultimately don't matter, but um, it, it, it just feels like the AP poll. If you if you if you just simulate if, if the season lasted like four more months than it does, by the time we entered the tournament, the top twenty five would be all Big East and Big Twelve teams because it's just like a cyclical thing of them playing each other over and over and over. And I don't think I do think those leagues are good. I don't mean to say that they're not good. They're awesome. I like a lot of teams in both leagues. Um, it's just it, it's just fascinating how this stuff shakes out and how like narratives form and all that kind of thing. So that's all. Um, I will say this though, because Purdue, it, it is it is interesting with the the, the new Purdue Alabama debate, and it's, it it feels very familiar because <laughs> we had the Purdue UConn debate not too mm -hmm. long ago, and Purdue won that. You know, I think yeah, I think In it's pretty clear that, that Purdue won that one going away. And Purdue fans are now sitting here saying, why is it that everyone wants to talk themselves out of Purdue? Um, I I I would say that. Like for me, I, I would say Alabama is probably playing better than Purdue, like based on what I, my eye test, what I I am seeing with my own eyes. Um, but I th I think the reason why is because Purdue, as good as Purdue has been all season, it does feel like the exact same team we saw earlier in the season from Purdue is the exact same team we're seeing now, and it's going to be the exact same team we see in March. And it's like that doesn't that doesn't excite people you know mm -hmm. so like i think when you're talking about like who the best team is people get excited by the teams that are playing better and, and are hot and and all that sort of thing and purdue has just been steady consistent across the board um that's you know and i i think that's where we've arrived with these sorts of debates and uconn meanwhile was like blowing teams out by 20 and is like a rocket ship to the moon and then they ran out of gas and the rocket came tumbling back to earth um and, and i think i think alabama is that rocket right now and, and, and i agree with that and purdue is just in orbit around yeah purdue will like my astronaut analogies right they're still they're still in orbit purdue is in orbit and uh alabama is a rocket to the moon right mm -hmm. now see purdue fans you're in space there you congratulations go. <laughs> you're <laughs> there you back go. you're back to where you belong the thing about alabama and yukon like you said before alabama is winning every single sec game by double digits yeah so when you watch alabama it's aesthetically pleasing because you're like, wow, these guys, they're on a different level than who they're playing right now. They're absolutely blistering these teams. They have the same a higher way that ceiling, was. too. Yeah, exactly. They have the higher, like, they right. pretty clearly have a higher ceiling than Purdue. And I guess that's that's where you start, that's where the debates start happening is is just, you know, that's... And, I, and, I, and what's, the real, what's the real crux of what we're saying? When it comes down to it, when we get to March, Purdue is going to have to look at Braden Smith, who I think is a really good player, 
and say, you're going you're gonna to help take us to the promised land. You and you and Fletcher Lawyer are going to take us to the promised land. Two really good players. By junior year, I think they can do it. But when I look at Alabama, I see Mark Sears, who can do it. I see Brandon I, Miller. And I'm I like, see Brandon Miller. ready for this right who, now. Yeah. I mean, you know, this is first team All-American in front of us. I see Noah Clowney, who's only getting better. And, yeah. and and you just you're like oh wow the wheels start turning I, my my biggest concern with Purdue is the guard play and I think that Sears with maybe a Quinterly or like a you know a Jaden Bradley whoever it is I think I could trust that more in March than I can two freshmen and I would love for them to prove me wrong because that would be a feat in and of itself like if Purdue and these two freshmen get redemption for St. Peter's right that'd like be they, sick they weren't even yeah. part of this team but they come in and they change the whole narrative that would be amazing i i think that would be fun to watch that would be exhilarating i'm yeah. not pulling against it i'm just saying in my mind that is what's keeping me from saying i'm all in i guess purdue. like I, I guess yeah that the people that are that are trying to talk themselves out of purdue aren't doing it because they're i mean I, some people are my father is but like most people aren't <laughs> um doing it because they're uh laughing at at the idea of purdue having a national title team and saying, um, you know, because the some of Gene Cady's teams couldn't get to the Final Four, that means that this team can't. Because there are people that do that, Tate. There are, there are people that that judge programs based on their jerseys, you know. Mm. And they say we can't, we can't trust Purdue because remember when when Glenn Robinson never did anything in the NCAA tournament. So what? Remember Robbie Hunt, and it's like those guys that aren't on this team. So like, why are we pretending like that has any bearing on this? But at the same time, some of it does mm. seem to work that way. I don't know, I don't know why it does. <laughs> I mean, history so repeats it kind itself, of history right? Repeat it, that at some it, level, it is until weird. it doesn't. It is kind of weird that like, <laughs> I think you put the North Carolina team last year in Purdue jerseys, they probably do lose in the second round. Right, Baylor. right. But like, anyway. Um, There's some psychology at play in your mind. When you think you're destined to do something. It's not just that. It's that if Purdue was to win the national title, they would do it in in a way that that has literally never happened before, ever. We've never ever, and and I think that's that's all people are saying is like the precedent has never been set. We've never seen a team that has no NBA players on it win a national championship. Right. That can't happen, or it can. Maybe it can, but for in order for it to happen, it's got to be something we've not. Not only have we never seen it, I'm not sure we've ever gotten close. I'd have to go back and actually look that up, but I can't imagine. It's ever been close that it, I, I don't know. I don't know who on this Purdue team is going to play a second of NBA basketball. Right, and I know and, we're we're in orbit right now, but we can't hear these Purdue fans that are yelling because yeah. we're in space. But they're silent. So that's, that's all I would. They're say yelling. Like, Zach Eady will probably get a chance in the NBA just because of size. So but also, if you're if you're a Purdue fan, you're like, why do people keep talking to them? So like, every time we're number one, people want to take it from mm -hmm. us. Why is that? That's why it is. It's because it doesn't compute. It doesn't. You can't look at this team and say, I mean, Zach Eady is the best player in the country, but like you you look at the you look at the idea of this team winning a national championship, and you're saying if this is to happen, it, it's go this is going to be groundbreaking, and 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 it's good. It's got to be something we've never seen before. And Purdue fans are like, yeah, exactly. That's what makes it special. And everyone else is like, I don't, I can't see it. I just can't. Mm. I don't see it in my brain. Having said all that, Tate, are you ready for my confession? I have a confession. I promised at the top that I would share with everybody. Please, I, I need a swig of water because this is a this is a doozy. This is good. Uh, yeah, this is a uh, this is a doozy. Uh, I was back in the Midwest this weekend. Uh, I was watching the Ohio State-Iowa game up close, and I was uh, with a lot of family and friends this weekend. And um, I I was reminded of what matters most to me in my life. It was just it was, it was a great trip. It just it just like reset the system, and I and I was reminded of the things I care about most. And one of the things I walked away from this weekend is this, and I can't believe I'm saying this, but. I am willing, I'm officially willing, Tate, 
to cheer for the Purdue Boilermakers to win a national championship. Whoa. I'm officially willing. Now, here are some conditions. Number one, only if Ohio State and Indiana are already out of the tournament. <laughs> they have to be out of the tournament. Okay. I will not be. Right. I will cheer for the upset before. Um, yeah, like if Ohio State's still in, then I'm cheering for whoever I'm cheering. I, I'm not making any prize, mm -hmm. you know. But the second Ohio State and Indiana are out, I, I will. I, I'm I'm willing to entertain it. Um, also, only if Purdue doesn't engage in like scumbaggery, I guess, for lack of a better term, between mm. now and March. Like if 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 Smith and Lawyer start getting a little too cocky, you know, <laughs> if Zach Eady becomes a villain, if he like punches <laughs> a guy, right, then I reserve the right to mm. walk all this back. Okay. Um, if Matt Painter gets too big for his britches, you know, like if Matt Painter's doing interviews and and he's he's speaking on behalf of like all of college basketball and he's like trying to make himself the face of college basketball just because you have the number one ranked team right now, um, then I might walk it back, okay? And then the last thing is if like another feel-good story emerges where, knock on wood, I God forbid this happens, but like a DeMar Hamlin type deal, not even that, but like just something of that caliber where it's like all of America is now rooting for a certain team because like Kevin uh, Ware situation. A Kevin Ware. Yeah. Right. No, that's that's a better way of putting it. A Kevin Ware and then we're like, all right, now we're rooting for Louisville. If that happens and then Purdue goes up against that team, then I probably have to cheer for the feel good story, right? Otherwise <laughs> I love these caveats. Otherwise I'm willing to cheer for <laughs> Purdue. And I mean I I just realized like not cheering not cheering for Purdue in the national championship makes me a hypocrite. And I just you know, I, I was I was my father taught me two things in life, and number one, it was don't cheer for Purdue basketball. But number two, don't be a hypocrite. Now I'm 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 at a crossroads state. Right, you're like, like wait, you're like who do I where, where do I listen? Uh, because this team has six guys from Indiana in the rotation, two Mister Basketballs. Um, I want the Big Ten to win a title ultimately to shut the haters up. I'm not a conference pride guy, but I feel like the hands are starting to get tight at this point. Where um, you need it, the you big, need it. The, the Big, big Ten, Ten does needs need something. It. Yeah. yeah. I want to go back. The most embarrassing thing that's happening in the Big Ten is mentioning Maryland as the last title yes. team. That has to stop. So it has I don't, to stop. I don't want to be a guy who cheers for conference rivals to win. I don't want to be an SEC fan. That's not that's disgusting to me. But right. also at the same time, the walls have been closing in on the on Big Ten fans for so long that it's like, I don't know. At, at, at a certain point, we'll do whatever we have to do to to survive this war on Big Ten basketball. Right. right? So so you're willing to lose the battle yeah. to Purdue. If that's the, what it takes. The, the, you're willing to lose the banners argument that Coach Titus has preached yes. for so many years that's, for the sake of the Big Ten. That's one of the reasons I think I'm willing to cheer for Purdue as well is because the positive that would come out of it is that the IU-Purdue rivalry would would might be the best in college basketball in the next five, ten years. Like mm -hmm. it, it, it immediately sets up Indiana-Purdue to be the best rivalry in college basketball immediately. Well, right, because Indiana at that point, it's an arms race to a title. Yes. I mean, it's whatever it takes. If we have to cheat, we have to cheat. Like Indiana, throw everything out, do what needs to be done. And then the other two things is like I I do generally root for programs to get over the hump. I root for coaches. That this is what made Virginia's title so fun. It's what made Baylor's title so fun. It's what made uh, Jay Wright's first title so fun. Gonzaga's Gonzaga's title that they almost had mm -hmm. was so fun. Um, <laughs> All of, like th th that is th th I do root for for programs and coaches that I feel like have earned it that have uh, I, I I generally don't root for the, uh, the the teams that come out of nowhere and get hot like for one March run like and 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 have a 101 year old nun on the sideline that's mm. clapping them on mm. I don't root for those stories I root for the ones that have earned it through like being consistently great programs year after year after year and just can't break through you know and that's Purdue right.
I think then, it's Purdue. And then ultimately, I do re- I, I root for the mold to be broken, and this team would do that, as we said, like having no NBA players, having like one big dude that they rely so much on. None of it makes any sense. If they were to win a national title, it would completely break like what you're supposed to what you're supposed to think about basketball in 2023. So for all those reasons, I just wanted to say I'm officially willing to cheer for Purdue to win a national championship. I think I Purdue winning would be fun for the brand of college basketball, you know, because yeah. it doesn't make any sense. And NBA scouts won't be able to make sense of it. And they're looking around and they're like, is Fletcher Lawyer a, a top 20 pick? Is he Joe's, Joe Wieskamp? 2.0. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they start doing these shades of comps and we lose our minds. I mean, that that would be fun. I think as you were saying that, the other face, you know, you were talking about getting over the hump and all those things. The other the face that keeps coming in my mind as I as I think about this is Kelvin Sampson at Houston. Mm-hmm. And we have an Indiana, like it should have been Indiana playing Purdue, but it's Kelvin Sampson. He's coaching against Purdue. He's coaching against Purdue. And then Indiana fans are like, Do I have to pull for Kelvin Sampson? Like who do like that would that would break their brain? I think that if coach if that were to happen, Coach Titus would That'd have to come awesome on the show yeah. to, to tell us what what to do. You know, give us a guide, a guide yeah. to watching Purdue play Houston because Samson versus Matt Painter, they're both trying to get over the hump. They're both have done everything to be national title type coaches. Obviously, yeah. that would be fun. That's a good. That's a that's. I like that scenario. That is a that's a funny scenario. Indiana fans would cheer for Samson and then pretend like they didn't. They did. They they, they would pretend like it's it's their title. Right. <laughs> Hang the banner. Tom Brady winning in Tampa. That should have been us. <laughs> that should have been. If us. these were their current rules, we would have Kellen Samson. I'm worried about Houston though. I'm. Well, Are you? I okay. I. He, <sighs> Temple was due a big win, by the way. Temple. <laughs> Temple. I like Temple's team. I really do. I think that they're a good, solid team. They should have beat Memphis. So I just felt like they were due a, a, a win. And Houston could not throw it in the ocean in this game. I'm worried about Houston because I, I think Houston's lost their intensity a little bit. I think Houston's lost the edge. I think what made Houston good was that they were disrespected and they were um, chip-on-the-shoulder guys and they're undersized guys. And and for the most part, uh, I know they got, well, they, get, they got at least one McDonald's All-American, right, Walker? But... Um, mm-hmm. For the most part, like the roster has been through the years, like dudes that are unheralded, or, and and um, that's that's been the staple of the program. And I I'm a little worried, Tate, that that being ranked number one, and and being told that you guys that's national title or bust in a lot of ways for this team, is too much, and mm. and, they, and they're losing the edge. I'm a little worried about that. Now I will say, I will give I will give every national championship caliber team, I will give you one stinker. Like the, I think that's the issue with Tennessee is that they use their stinker on Colorado, you know, <laughs> mm-hmm. and then they, they and then I felt like even though the Kentucky game was kind of close and Kentucky's a different team now and they're sort of turning the corner, it felt like that was their second stinker. I'm like, that's you only get one stinker, right? And and you and you had your stinker, and now I'm a little worried. I so also I, in conference that like I, I I will give you a conference loss, you know, that's just I, yeah. inevitable, right? That's their first loss. This in conference. was this is the worst Houston basketball's looked in a long, long time. Right. Not even just this year, like few years they, this was i know they only lost by one they had a shot at the end, end to technically win the game um and i guess if that shot goes down we just say whew that was close but that's houston that's uh, that's what they do they win games you know and we <laughs> pretend like there's nothing wrong but they they played horrendous i'll give i'll give you one stinker under this caveat they got to beat the shit out of everybody now this has to like wake them up and get the edge back because that's that's the reason you talk yourself into houston like houston doesn't have Houston doesn't have a team full of NBA players. Houston doesn't have a team full of like like Alabama. I, keep, I talked about that game when they when they lost Alabama. It was like shocking if you pause the game and you look at the five guys that Alabama has on the floor versus the five guys Houston has on the floor. 
Alabama's got like two or three inches at every position and, and longer arms and like just looks like a different caliber of athlete. Um, what makes Houston tough is that that mindset and that attitude and that approach. And they got to lock in now. I need I need to see Houston lock in now. And hopefully hopefully this is a wake up call because you get one sneaker from me and I'm I'm not giving up yet. But I I'm worried in that regard that that they've lost their edge. I bit. like the discipline of Houston in the fact that they're going to set the tone of whoever the the tone of the game of whoever they play. So even in this game, it was ugly, but they played on Houston's terms. Yeah. And I feel like in the tournament, that's how Houston kind of operates. They're like, okay, you're going to play. We'll muck it up. Yeah. Houston's not afraid of it. And I, and I respect the discipline. The thing about Alabama that I worry about is that they get into one of these muck games and shots aren't going in and they're just, they, they tune out, you know, yeah. they're like, it's but then not I going think, our I way. I think if you're out, if you're Bama in that scenario, you're saying we're counting on Brandon Miller to just be better. To just, yeah. Win us the game. Just be Carmelo, you know, <laughs> right. like, just go, go get us the win. Go get yeah. us the win. Right. And I think that's a fair plan B, honestly. Mm. To, to have a guy like that and say, Please. It, might, it might be plan A. It might be plan A some game. <laughs> You're not wrong about that. Um, nice win for Temple, though, because when I was a kid, and, and, and obviously you too, I mean, Temple was, I mean, used to be a force in basketball. It used to be a lot of fun to talk about. I mean, the John Chaney, John Calipari, those were great times. That was a, a great snapshot. And obviously, you know, seeing Temple, they're part of the Big Five in Philadelphia, seeing them get a win like this. First but time they beat the number one team since 2000. Houston has Central Florida on Wednesday at UCF. Mm -hmm. Last time they played, if you remember, it was a close game the whole game. I think Houston ended up winning by five, four, five, some somewhere around that six. Um, that's that's what I'm saying. Is like you lose the Temple, that it, it happens. Even even the best teams will lose. You know, like we just said, Kansas lost at home to Kentucky. That was their stinker. They they lost some other games last year, but that was like the real one where you're like this was an absolute stinker. Um, <laughs> This was a stinker against Temple. Now you lock in. You have a tough game next, like one of the tougher games you have left on your schedule other than probably Memphis on the road or Memphis at home. Um, let's see what you're made of. Let's see, like, you, you, they, they, not even, I, I don't even care if you win the game. I want to see them beat the hell out of Central Florida. I need to see Houston lock back in, say that was an anomaly. That was our one stinker. We're back. We're locked in as the calendar turns to February. And I, and I trust that they will, but, um, yeah, I that 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 game was horrendous. That was that was horrendous Houston basketball. Right, it was you ugly know? to watch. It was not fun to watch. And I will say, the last game of the regular season for Houston is at Memphis. So Oof. if you're a you know if you're a betting man, if you're a fan of college basketball, if you're getting primed for the tournament and you want to see where Houston is currently, presently, watch that Memphis game. I think that's going to tell you a lot because <sighs> Memphis Memphis is going to be a really tough team in the tournament. I, I, so. I want to make a yeah. list of the teams that are just tough outs. Tough outs. Yeah. Just totally Marquette, Memphis, yeah. North Carolina. There's going to be some teams where you're, NC State maybe could be one of those, depending on that. You just don't want to play Creighton. those guys. Creighton. So seriously. You yeah. don't want to play these guys, especially if you're a one, two seed, you get a little tight. They're a seven seed. I mean, that. Dude, you know who's the tough out that I don't, I haven't, I, let me, let me pull up some bracketology. Let me see where they're, uh, because we have not talked a lot about this team and they I think they just made their first appearance in the AP pool uh this week. Maybe they maybe they were there last week. St. Mary's. Mm. You seen any St. Mary's? I mean dude, we need oh, more talking. bracket the bracket matrix says they're a six seed right now, which feels like a tough out. That's a tough That's out. That's a tough out. The St. Mary's team is awesome. Right. They they are they are legit. They are they and they have a fun stretch coming up. The reason I, I'm putting them on everyone's radar, they get they are at BYU they're uh, at home versus uh, San Francisco. Then they're at home versus Gonzaga. 
and then they're at LMU Tate. That's their next four games. Mm. They're, they, I think they're at BYU this week though. This uh, um, the the kid Mahaney from he's from California, I think, but he's a freshman. Uh, like St. Mary's, I, I if I remember, they had like a three game losing streak at, at one point during the season, but. Um, their best player is a freshman who kind of came out of nowhere. Uh, Logan Johnson, who's a name that if you've paid any attention to St. Mary's basketball or watched them play even one game, um, you would remember this guy, Logan Johnson. But uh, he he was the guy that I thought was like going to carry this team this year. Not the case. They've kind of like slowly figured out who they are. I think Mahaney was coming off the bench to start the season, and mm -hmm. now he's might be leading them in scoring. I haven't looked it up he recently. Didn't, I mean, he had the yeah, he had twenty points in the last um, game against Santa Clara. But they 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 can shoot and they can play defense and I've I've always found those are two of the more important things to be able to do on a basketball court if you're trying to win games. So uh, and they have one of the best coaches in college basketball. Yeah, one of the winningest coaches in college basketball, and Randy Bennett. So when you talk about the tournament and it comes down, sometimes comes down to coaching and things like that. When we're talking about college basketball, that's a good guy to have in your back pocket. And if you're Mark Few and we got him off the record and you're saying, you know. Are you concerned about that kind of stranglehold you have on your conference in the WCC? Yes. Yeah. And it's because of him. <laughs> it's Randy Bennett standing right there. Yeah, they had they had the three-game losing streak. Washington, New Mexico, Houston. Uh, you know, Houston's obviously a very good team. New Mexico's uh, a good New team. New Mexico's a good team. Washington, not as much, but in overtime, four points. They, they lost by four, they lost by four, they lost by five, and they lost by two. Those are their four losses. And one of them was Mary's. a draw, not a yeah. loss. Yeah, so I'm not saying right. St. Mary's is – should be considered like national title good or anything, but uh, tough out. That's a tough out right there. That team is going to be tough. And and It'd Indiana be funny fans, if we put a list together of tough outs. We yeah. get to like sixty teams. Indiana fans do not need to be reminded of what St. Mary's is capable of in the NCAA tournament. All right. That, <laughs> After last unfortunately, year. that's in my head every time I look at St. Mary's. I can't get that yeah. game out of my head because it was over before it even really started. So that's a that's a good call. It's good. Team. Uh, what else? Do we have anything else? I think we should mention UCLA Arizona because we had oh, fans. Yeah, duh, duh, I, I'm sorry. No, apologies I mean, to Arizona fans. I I right. was I I'll be honest. I didn't really watch the game because I was uh, I was in Columbus. Well, I want to hear it about was that at the too. exact same time. Well, yeah. let's talk about that. But yeah. quickly, I just want to mention Arizona plays UCLA. The big, you know, I think we said with Fanta that we thought Arizona would win this game at home, but it wasn't an inspiring win by any means. I'm glad that Arizona won just for the kind of keep things together. But UCLA, they're better on the boards. I think they're more disciplined defensively. I think that they. I, when you look at you those two teams. You thought the better teams, team lost? Right. Whoa. Shocking. You hate to see it. But, I mean, it's a tough road trip. You play Arizona State, who's also a really good team. Then you play Arizona. It was nice for Arizona to get I, the check mark of the win, but I didn't come away from that game and saying, oh, well, maybe I was a little bit wrong. I think, you know, Arizona might be better than UCLA. I still feel uh, good about UCLA. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Arizona's a little more desperate. to. to mm -hmm. I, I, I'm, they needed that win. I, again, I didn't really watch, so I'm not going to. You know, it was talk ugly. from a place of it was ugly. Like I, 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 I saw what happened or anything, but I did see Kirk Reese didn't have a good game. That's encouraging. I said, I said Arizona never wins. If Kirk Reese has a bad game, they never win. Mm. They never, and they, and when they lose, he never plays well. So at least like this, this is a positive thing that they beat a top five team when Kirk Reese played like garbage. Mick Cronin was um, uh, was a character and a half in this game. I mean, he was on one, so it was fun. The other thing I noticed, uh, David Singleton, I watched the uh, um, Arizona State-UCLA game on Thursday, uh, and Singleton played out of his mind. <laughs> I think he was 7 for 10, 21 points. That guy's one of my I, – I, you will not find a bigger David Singleton fan on planet Earth than, than me. Um, and I'm watching that game like, this is, why, this is why I'm the president of the David Singleton fan club right here. Arizona State. Every time I watch this man, he does not miss. He will not miss. Um, and then the Ohio State game I was at is on at the exact same time as UCLA Arizona. 
so I don't watch. Singleton goes 0 for 5, does not score. Makes you think, Tate. Yeah. Really makes you think. It was probably the worst game I've seen from him. And they did a good job. I mean, they were pushing him out, I, stretching him out. Yeah. You know what the worst game I've ever seen from him is? Doesn't exist. Mm. Never once seen him play bad. Right. Never once. Never seen him miss. I've never seen him miss. <laughs> He's literally never missed a shot. Mm. Um, yeah. All right. That's it. Yeah. You, you got shout outs? Well, can we talk about Ohio State? Can you, can oh, you, okay. yeah. Can yeah. you just I, talk uh, about, I mean, well, I there mean, was a lot of fanfare in the building. There was a lot of fanfare. Great crowd. Uh, shout out to the, uh, the 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 fans for showing up, especially the fans that didn't leave with five minutes left. Because, um, <laughs> boy, were there a lot that uh, all the people that were tweeting Fire Holtman and this team's done and we suck and, you know, all that. I think those are the same people that were grabbing their coats when, you know, we're finally playing well and there's five minutes left and they're like, all right, time to get the hell out of here. Um, but, no, it was, it was a good crowd, good environment. I hadn't been in the shot in, like, five years, I want to say, six years, something like that. It, 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 it hit me, like, walking back in. Like, man, it's been forever since I've been to a game here. Um, and, yeah, I, I, you know, a lot of people were, were making a big deal about, like, I don't know, you're, you're hearing people say, Mark, you saved the program. Like, Mark, where would we be without <laughs> you? Like, Mark, I think some people were tossing out the H word, like, hero, you know? And um, I, was, I was getting a little uncomfortable by it. Like, I kind of understand why they were saying these things. But, uh I don't know. I didn't think it was a big deal, Tate. I mean, I said what was going to happen, and everyone was pretending to be surprised. Like, right. we were going to win. I, I took my championship DNA. I gave the boys the speech. Um, I sat right behind the scores table. It was hilarious because uh, um, I I I got into – I was sitting so close, and, and that place is for – even when there's a good crowd, it does get quiet. Like, it's – you've been to a game there, I think. Or no, mm. have you not? No, I haven't. You never have? I mean, I've been in the shot, but not for a game. You think the Dean Dome's bad, dude? Like, the shot – it's just so big. It's just like the, the noise just like – goes up to the top and then like yeah the, see the, it, the dean just, dome mentality is basically like give me something to clap for yeah right which kinda, is like i've already seen james worthy and michael jordan <laughs> so do not something yeah, yeah dude garrison brooks um, i'm not impressed yeah so it, it it can be pretty quiet in this, even when there's a good crowd and even when we're playing well it can be quiet at times and i'm sitting right behind the scores table but not behind the bench if i was behind the bench it feels a little more personal like i'm on the team and i gotta like watch what i'm saying because i don't want to mm. But I was behind the scores table, and this was the night after Shannon Sharp uh, had his his <laughs> dust up dust up kerfuffle uh, against the Lakers. So I'm sitting behind, and uh, the game tips off, and it hits me right away mm -hmm. that I have no backup plan. Like I haven't I haven't thought through like what happens if we actually don't win. Right. Because I was like, I'm so sure that we're gonna win. We come out pretty flat, and now I'm like actually a little shook because I'm like, we might. Is there a chance we might lose this game? And then it. I, I, I had another Coors Light, and I said, no, we're not losing this game. And I started talking more. And um, I got to a point, by the, by, the, by the time we started going on those runs, I was convincing myself that I was having some sort of impact because I was just, I was, I was going banana. And, and it wasn't just like yelling at refs or like yelling at, uh, you know, yell, a lot of people just like yell at the refs. <laughs> I, uh, I, I was yelling at all of our players every single time they checked in. Every time a guy checked in, this was my, my go-to was fuck them up is what I would say. Mm, nice. <laughs> right. Shit ain't sweet. <laughs> I didn't know that I was to say. Felix Akpar is checking. I'm like, fuck him up, Felix. Fuck him up. <laughs> and he turned around and like, I got you. I got you. Like, All right, number 34. <laughs> and then when guys are coming out of the game, as uh, as they're subbing in, the guy coming out, I would just yell, good shit. Yeah. That seemed to, that seemed yeah. to work. Yeah. And then uh, I don't know if this is a thing guys still say, but I remember when I was playing basketball, um, in one-on-one -on -one situations, you would yell at the guy, do him. Mm -hmm. And it just came out. It wasn't something I was consciously thinking, but Bryce, since the ball gets one of the, like, pick one of the white dudes on Iowa. There's so many mm -hmm. that, that can't guard anybody. But mm -hmm. uh, he gets he gets a one-on-one -on -one situation. I forget who it was. Um, and I just stand up and yell, do him, Bryce. Right. 
immediately one dribble, pump fake, and one jump shot. And I was like, oh my God, am I having an effect on this? And then it just like from there, I just kept, I just kept, you know. I think it evolved to cook him when cook I him. was coming cook up. Him? Yeah, it was cooking. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, I did yell do him and I, I got a lot of weird looks from people like, are you suggesting this man? <laughs> I was like, I don't know. I was just, I just went off of instinct. You're like, you don't understand championship DNA. Yeah, that's this is championship DNA. <laughs> that's the vocabulary that champions use. This is what it takes. You got to yell, fuck him up and do him. That's how it works. Um, You're like Kirby Smart. No, but the, yeah, 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 I'm Kirby Smart. Put, put, put it all together. No, and then we got the big win. And then uh, in the uh, locker, I, I go to the locker room after the game. Owen Spencer, shout out uh, Owen Spencer, walk on on the team, got a scholarship tape. Nice. Um, like after the game. After that, the game, they gave cool. him a scholarship. I love that. Those are the best. Kid hit a halftime uh, or, or a half court shot for chicken. I think it was uh, during one of the timeouts. Raising canes. So the vibes were all around great. Um, I, I I'm not promising we're going to win every game moving forward. I'm not making any more promise. I'm just saying the program was saved. That's all it was. I was right. I was there for one job. It was to beat Iowa, save the program. We do not lose six games in a row at Ohio State. I made sure that didn't happen. And where it goes from here, it's anybody's guess. But we beat Iowa. Promises made, promises delivered. Right, and there's more good news coming because as we're sitting here, um, LeBron James, famously the father of Bronny James, has released a limited edition college basketball jersey that is now on Nike.com, and it is, I'm showing this to you live, it is a number six Ohio State LeBron James jersey that has just dropped exclusively for 30 days. So it goes back to what we have talked about on the show there is a brand play that is being made. It is right in our face. Bronny James has narrowed narrowed down his list of schools to three schools. LeBron also came out after that and said that if he called any team in the country, any college in the country, they would take Bronny. Yeah. So it's not just about the three schools that have offered him. It's about he could go anywhere. But it's the championship DNA landed in Columbus, and I think there's a chance Bronny James might be bringing even more on the way. So just wanted to shout that out. Thank that you, That was a good Tate. moment. I, I, I did what moment. I could. Um, again... I, I'm not a hero. I'm just a man doing a job. I just a man that wanted his program back. But uh, if you want to keep calling me a hero, please be my guest. If Bronny James goes <laughs> to Ohio State and doesn't use LeBron James's locker that is at Ohio State, <laughs> I will be very upset. Right? It's already there for him. That's so amazing. You walk in the locker room, it used to be a display, and now Bronny's just like yeah, putting his shit just... in there. <laughs> amazing. Uh, any other shout outs? I mean, shout out. I mean, this weekend of football was pretty wild. Uh, I'm going to be honest with you. I, I I was blown away yesterday by the results. And uh, I want to shout out Joe Burrow. And I saw a lot of people talking about Joe Burrow and how cool he is and everything. And uh, I, I still am dumbfounded about what I watched. I was so sure that the Bills were going to at least Likewise. go to the AFC Championship. I think the Bills were too. I think, I think everybody was. <laughs> so I just want to shout that out because I like when yeah. I'm surprised and I don't really know how to explain it. But Joe Burrow, that's the, you, you have my respect. I mean, you already did, but uh, kudos to you, man. I think that's the appeal of the NFL, and I, that's what I that's what, I love that about the NFL. I love that about college basketball. There's like, the, the older you get and the more sports you watch, that they're you, you reach a point where it's hard to be surprised anymore. Right. Um, and, and then both, when it's right in your face, you're like, yeah. wow. And that's why a, a team like Purdue being number one in the country is like, this is surprising. This is not mm -hmm. supposed to, it's not supposed to happen this way. Um yeah, it makes it it makes it interesting. Makes same, it fun. same with the NFL. You have no idea. Even as there's final four teams, I guess like the Chiefs are probably the favorite. I would guess, mm -hmm. but I don't know. Is anybody that confident that the Chiefs are going to win the Super Bowl? Right. I wouldn't be shocked at this point if Purdy wins the Super Bowl. Yeah. I'm like yeah. watching the San Francisco team. I'm like, what is this? What what is happening? I didn't know that you could win with. It's hilarious. Then, Nick every, Foles broke it though. I think yeah, he yeah. broke the seal of what's possible. Who can be your quarterback? It's hilarious. Everybody's saying that Purdy can only throw into the middle of the field and 
the Cowboys should take and, and the Cowboys are like trying to take that away and they still can't take you know right that cracks me up when that, Greg when Kittle just, made that catch the the tip drill catch I was like okay game over yeah. you know th- those are things that happen in a game like R.J. Davis made a little half court three this weekend against NC State when they were down into the shot clock that goes in you say okay game over great that's that's what you like to see so um, shout out to football Good Ma- entertainment. Brett Maher. How do you say his name? <laughs> I've heard people say Maher. it. Terrible. I don't know. I didn't know that that's how you pronounced it. Mar, Mar. Sure, Mar. Sure. sure. Mar. My, Maher. That was cracking me up. That was... <laughs> I was watching the game on the plane and uh, uh, flying back from Columbus. And um, I have the game like on my, on my iPad. And I think right. I was like... I, I, at one point, uh, I, I was working on like a crossword puzzle just because like my eyes were hurt. I just wanted to mix something up. Like watching the game, I was like, I need to kind of be active. So I, you know, you know, plain reds are. Um, <laughs> so I put the, I did like a little picture in picture thing and I got like the small, uh, the, the game's on like a little tiny corner of my iPad as I'm working on a crossword puzzle. And when Meyer comes out to kick a field goal, I put I put the pin down. I turned the iPad sideways and I go full screen on this. I'm like, this is I'm I've never been. I think that was the only time I did the whole game was was when he was kicking field goals. It was like I got to see what happened next. It was awesome. Yeah, and then he made it, and I was like, this is awesome. This right, is, what a story. I can't wait to see what happens with the Cowboys. Did you see the official account, like the Dallas Cowboys, whatever color check it is these days, tweeted. Basically, it was Dak Prescott's fault why we lost, and he's 100 percent accountable. <laughs> they tweeted that. Like, it's amazing. <laughs> just, I, I appreciate the candor. That's what we love to see. Uh, shout out to uh, uh, LMU. We said it already, but we didn't really talk about it much. Uh, big win at Gonzaga. That right. was that was a fun win because you got to see all the uh, um, bullet points of last time Gonzaga lost at home to LMU. Last time Gonzaga lost to someone other than BYU and St. Mary's. Last time Gonzaga lost at home, period. Last time Gonzaga, you know, it was one of those losses that it's like, it really busted out a lot of the, uh, the stat nerds and their bullet points. Right. Again, shout out to the researchers that yeah. have to do that because that is not uh, that is not a was fun it 32 game. Thirty two years, thirty one years, right? Thirty two years. I think it was thirty two years right. at, at LMU. When's it Gonzaga? Nineteen ninety one. Gathers team, right. yeah. Exactly. Bill, Bill there you go. There you go. So that was a nice that was a nice moment for our guy Craig Pittens and the LMU Lions. I uh, love that. Shout out Trace Jackson Davis too, who's playing out of his mind. Um, I think my All American team right now, Tate. I think <laughs> I, I see Zach Eady's a lock. I would say Brandon Miller's a lock. I would say Drew Timmy is probably a lock. I would say mm. Jalen Wilson is probably a lock. And then I think the fifth spot is up for grabs with like Trace Jackson Davis, Hami Haquez, Azulis Tubelis, Oscar Shibway still in the mix. Um, I think so Baycott's going to be in the Baycott's mix. Baycott's in the mix. Yeah, throw he might win there. ACC Player of the Year. Yeah. Um, there are a lot of guys. Uh, That's the problem. Yeah, there's, 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 yeah, there's, a, lot there's of guys. a lot of guys that could be that, but... Uh, I know Trace Jackson Davis is certainly making his case for uh, spot right. number five. Right now, I think I'd put Hawkes in there. I might too before, but I didn't watch Saturday. So I don't know uh, he's still he was solid. It's not you know how Ame is, dude. He didn't play well against Arizona State, and he still played well. He's still like right. he, that's how he always is. Even when he doesn't play well, he's still yeah doing that's, everything. That's to me yeah. why his comp is like a Jimmy Butler type, where you're like, I can't really. That's a good. That's a, I like that. Sometimes yeah. he annoys me, but sometimes you're like, this guy's unstoppable in the mid range, in the mid post. So shout out to him. I want to shout out uh, Terquavion Smith of NC State. Mm. Took a hard shot in the North Carolina game. Leaky Black goes up, ends up getting a flagrant two toss from the game. Uh, it was a tough play, bang bang play. Was not a dirty play. I'm happy Terquavion is, is all good and. Uh, I mean, he's a great player. So there was a lot of concern. He goes out in a stretcher. I mean, it was a scary moment. And uh, but, anyways, after the fact, he seems to be fine. Kevin Keith says 
he he will get you know he will be who he is and uh no no uh no serious damage so uh shout out to him great player and uh, i'm happy that he's not out for the year because it looked very scary uh, yeah. uh you know in the moment so shout out to Traquavion. any shout outs jim no that's it All right. oh jim's over there yeah Welcome back, Jim. Jim, back. Tyler did a good job. Shout out to Tyler. Right. We didn't even tell him we were going to do that. I just saw Tyler walk in and I was like, we're talking Notre Dame. Sit down, Tyler. Let's, mm-hmm. let's hash this out. Mm-hmm. And he was, was ready. He was ready. He was just throwing out Prepared. Rick Pitino at us. Yeah. He like took away half the bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was like, man, I want to talk about Rick Pitino, but damn, Tyler, you got it. Tyler, <laughs> that's my line. <laughs> yeah. I'm the only one that gets to say Rick Pitino on the show. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> oh. All right. That's it. Uh, see you guys. <laughs>